The following episode of the All Y'all podcast contains strong language and listener discretion is advised. Greetings, All Y'all podcast listeners, and welcome to another episode of All Y'all. I'm Chris J. And I'm Sarah Abair. All Y'all is a live storytelling podcast and event series based in Shreveport, Louisiana. This episode features a story that was told during our November 2016 live event, Haunted. Haunted was one of our most popular live events to date. It was held at the incredible Remington Suite Hotel and Spa in downtown Shreveport as a fundraiser benefiting the Louisiana Association for the Blind. Thanks to everyone who bought tickets, we were able to donate $2,100 to that incredible organization. So thank you. The story you're about to hear is from storyteller Stephen Abney. And a first for all y'all, Stephen is actually the third member of his immediate family to tell a story at an all y'all event. His brother Jeff told a story at OMG and his wife Elizabeth told a story at Mama and Daddy. Stephen's story puts a unique spin on the age-old genre, the haunted house. Before we hear the story, we want to take a moment to thank our presenting sponsor, Holiday Lanes in Bossier City. Every year on my birthday, which is coming up, I like to spend at least part of the day bowling with Sarah at Holiday Lanes. There's just something really old school, classy, and special about the place. We'll get a bucket of beer from the Tim Pin Lounge and a gigantic order of Macho Nachos from Strikers Cafe, and we'll just make an afternoon out of it. If you'd like to plan your own visit to Holiday Lanes, whether it's on my birthday or not, check them out online at bowlholidaylanes.com. And if you do visit, please tell them thank you for supporting your local storytelling podcast. Stick around after the story to hear a follow-up interview with Stephen about what it was like to tell his story live on stage in All Y'all. With no further ado, here's Stephen Abney's story, which we're calling Personal Demons. My story begins, like probably a lot of stories of the paranormal begin, with egregious alcohol abuse. Um... Many years ago, I had a a significant enough drinking problem that my family urged me to go away to treatment, or drunk camp, as I like to call it. And I did. Um, Anyone who's been to drunk camp knows that the scariest time is not when you go or or the treatment itself, but it is when you're about to get out, when you actually get out and you're left to go back out into the world um, to fix the damage you've done or try to fix it. And they encourage you to not drink while you're doing that, which seems kind of draconian to me. It seemed, seemed rather unfair, but there it is. Um, I did not go home. I did not go back to my home after that. Uh, as, as part of our healing process, my wife and I decided I would go back to my childhood home and stay with my parents for a while, which I'm sure was my mom's proudest moment. Hi, Mom. Um, and, uh, and, and, and everyone was waiting to see how seriously I was going to take my recovery. And I took it very seriously. I did all the things that a good recovering person is supposed to do. I, um, I called my sponsor every day. Hello, sponsor. <laughs> I went to meetings every day. I started an exercise program. I went back to work. And I downloaded a Ghost Hunter app on my iPhone. It's, this, is, this is all standard 12-step stuff. Okay, okay, I'm going to back up real quick. Um, I, I, have, I have always loved, as they said, I've always loved horror. I've always loved ghost stories. I've always loved parapsychology. I've always treated it with a very healthy degree of skepticism, never had any, any experiences prior to this. Um, but 
At the same time, in addition to being saddled with all sorts of guilt and anxiety, I was, I had, I was suffering from insomnia, I had a lot of time on my hands. And, uh, and, and honestly, people ask me why I love scary stories. Um, and there's a lot of different answers. Uh, but, but the main one, and I know this sounds ridiculous, um, I've always felt like ghost stories were uh, comforting. They always, even the worst ones, even the scariest ones, promise magic. They, they, they come with the promise of something beyond this world. And during those dark early days of recovery, um, I really needed any sort of comfort, especially when I felt like the, the, the stuff in my world was maybe never going to come back together again. Um, <clears throat> so this app, real quick, you can get, there's dozens of these on the iTunes store. Also, I was new to iPhones, so I was just like, oh, people get apps, so what's the fun one? Um, you can get these, you know, this one was 99 cents, came with a lot of bells and whistles for the purposes of this story. The bells and whistles that are most important are it had a cool little radar thing that's supposed to pick up like electromagnetic disturbances in the room around you and, and it dings ominously when, uh, when something is supposedly around you. And uh, there's an EVP uh, part and the EVP for anyone who has not seen Ghost Hunters uh, stands for Electronic Voice Phenomenon. And I, I feel like such an idiot talking about this, but <laughs> Electronic Voice Phenomenon, which is, uh, the, the idea behind it is that, um, you know, with the right equipment, you can pick up the voices of the dead, disembodied voices. Now, this was about what you would expect to get from a 99 cent I, iTunes store app. Um, it would, uh, the EVP would, you know, the word would pop up on the screen if it would pick something up and, and it would, uh, it would say it in this sort of robotic monotone voice. It was unimpressive. It was, uh, I, I turned it on and you know, you would get 30 minutes of silence and then occasionally get a random string of words that you would have to try really hard to find any significance to. So it would just, it would be something like, Dog collar. <laughs> Obama. <laughs> Jelly. So yeah, not, not terribly impressed by this. Um, and it didn't scare me until I was driving back to my house for the first time, going back to see my wife and kids for the first time since, uh, since drunk camp. Um, very anxious, but I'm feeling good riding easy in my sobriety, I'm feeling good about everything, and I'm pulling into the driveway, and as I do, I hear the robotic monotone voice say, drunk. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I hadn't even turned the damn thing on. My phone, my phone was in the seat beside me, and if something was trying to get my attention at that moment, it, it picked a, a great word and a great moment to do it. But I had bigger fish to fry. I was actually trying to like rebuild my life and stuff. So I, I just you know, put it aside. Uh, time passed, I moved back home. Uh, moving back into my house though, it felt different. And not in the way you might expect going back home after drunk camp would feel different. Um, the, the atmosphere changed. I would have moments of still kind of struggling with my insomnia, staying up late at night by myself moments of feeling watched, and I never really knew what people talked about until I'd experienced myself. Um, I would have periods of, of just feeling cold, chills, nausea, 
um, and they would pass, um, but it was, it was distressing, and I started to actually kind of question my sanity, and if it had only been just me um, that was experiencing things, I, I absolutely would have. I would have written it off to anxiety, post-acute withdrawal syndrome, I don't know. Um, the nature of the EVP messages changed too. They went from random strings of words to things that were more personal, more references to drinking, things like drunk, whiskey, suicide, shame. Ugh. And then sometimes it was like a, a fifth grader who had just seen The Exorcist for the first time was programming this thing with really cool buzzwords just to try to freak me out. So it would be things like demon, basement, blood, help. I'm not proud to admit it, it did freak me out. And a very logical question would be, well, why the hell did you keep listening to it? But it's, a, it's a fair question. Um, at a certain point, I started to almost keep it on me as like an early warning system because I knew that whenever it would start to ding or it would start to talk, if I was up by myself, that was time to pack it up and go to bed. Um, Unbeknownst to me at that time, my wife had started to experience things. She started to hear noises, same noises I would hear, footsteps upstairs when no one was home, knocks in the wall. She began to see figures out of the corner of her eye in a particular hallway where I had also seen things. Um, my son began to have late night conversations with his deceased grandmother that he told us about. And he could describe her, even though he'd never met her, he could describe her down to her voice and the song she liked to sing. And he told us that she would come to him at night when he was afraid and sing him songs. And, and he knew the songs. Uh, less heartwarming were the things my daughter was reporting seeing. Um, needles coming at her in the air at night while she was lying in bed. And, 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 and worst of all, uh, she told me one night that she was seeing shadow people. She called them... Well, first she said, I, I see a black man in, in the hallway. And I was like, you can't say that, honey. And she said, no, no, it's like a, like a dark figure. <sighs> so being the rational, reassuring father that I am, I was trying to quickly come up with some spin here. I was like, oh, honey, you know, Dad likes to go running late at night. And I have those black, uh, you know, running pants I wear. So you're probably just seeing Dad getting ready to go exercise. And she very matter-of-factly said, it doesn't have a face. <laughs> mm. I have this thing I do when I'm kind of scared and I feel like there's really nothing I can do. And so I'm just bracing myself. I call it the resigned shit. And it's just a long sigh. <sighs> followed by just shit. <laughs> there were many moments, many resigned shits during this time in my life. Uh, things, uh, things reached ahead. I mean, the, the, the noises intensified. One night, it got so bad. I was, I was um, actually home. Elizabeth, my wife was out doing something. The kids were asleep upstairs. I heard a thunderous crash right about the time that uh, the EVP started chiming in with its bullshit. <laughs> and I, I could have sworn that a tree had fallen through our house. It shook the house. It was so loud. And, uh, and a tree falling through the roof would not have been outside the realm of possibility. We live in South Highlands. This actually happens pretty frequently. Um, but I ran upstairs, and of course, there was nothing disturbed. Kids were sound asleep. Um, the worst night 
was when I was up again late by myself and having my customary midnight bowl of Cocoa Krispies, which if you have not tried it, don't knock it. It's, it's delightful. Um, about to have some cereal and, uh, and the, I start to feel cold and nauseated and the damn thing starts dinging and then it starts to, uh, it starts to say things and I'm like, ah, shit. So I <laughs> grab the milk, I'm, gonna, I'm just, I'm bailing on this bowl of cereal and I'm feeling really sick and really cold. So I grab the milk and I'm going to put it in the refrigerator and the damn thing says milk. <laughs> and then it says cold. And then it says afraid. And I, I literally said, fuck. And I just, I, I turned it off. I was done. I turned it off. I went, I, I made a beeline for the shower. I was this cold and feeling this sick. And I was like, I've just got to warm up. I took a shower, was feeling better, standing there in the bathroom, downstairs. Everyone's asleep upstairs in a towel, nothing else, which is always when, you know, shit hits the fan in the movies. And, uh, and I hear, um, at, I, I start to feel cold immediately again, and then I start to hear taps in the wall. Um, and of course, my mind wanting to find a logical explanation, I write it off as, okay, that's, it's mice. And then the taps are just all over the wall, and they're moving slowly down the wall, and I'm feeling sicker and colder, and then I hear footsteps on the stairs, and I think selfishly, oh great, I'm not gonna have to endure this alone. Someone's, <laughs> someone's up. Um, but it was a slow, shuffling step, and, uh, and I knew it wasn't anyone in the house, and it just shuffled up to the door and stopped, and, I'm, and then I hear this horrendous hacking cough, like the cough from an 85-year-old emphysematic man, um, and it goes on way too long, and, it's just, and I'm, I'm really contemplating just spending the night in the bathroom in a towel when finally I hear the footsteps shuffle off towards the kitchen, and then I hear what sounds like all the dishes in my uh, cabinet being pulled out onto the floor and shattering. It was, it, was, uh, it was loud, and I was convinced that you know, someone was going to hear this and wake up. I, that broke the spell. I ran, out uh, you know, I ran outside in the towel. Kitchen was dark, nothing disturbed. So I called the only person, the next day, I called the only person in Shreveport Bossier who I could think of who, who might be able to help. Um, our, our dear friend Rachel, who has had experience with these things, and she's, I knew she had had some experience with hauntings in the past. And I also knew she wouldn't make fun of me because she will talk about the supernatural with the same matter-of-factness that she'll talk about mashed potatoes or the Kardashians. I mean, it just is. She doesn't doubt it. She doesn't question it. So I tell her my story, and she goes, well, okay, first off, the EVP thing, get it off your phone. Stop talking to it, okay, because you've contacted something, and now it's messing with you. And I was like, it's messing with me? And she, yeah, it's messing with you. They do that. Um, and she said, okay, I'm going to come over. We'll do a house cleansing. And in the meantime, if something happens, I want you to say in a very clear, commanding tone, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to depart. And I say, Rachel, I'm, I'm kind of like agnostic, and aren't you, aren't you Jewish? And she goes, yes, I know. I am. And it's weird, but it works. They listen to that. I'm like, okay. 
And she says one other thing that kind of chills me at the time. She says, you know, when you came back from drunk camp, she didn't call it drunk camp, but when you came back, you came back loaded with a lot of emotional baggage and a lot of negative energy. And whatever is targeting you is probably feeding off of that. And I had to admit that, yes, I was probably a powder keg of negative emotional energy then. Um, the day of the cleansing came. And, and, and this is the point in the movie where, where the shit really hits the fan. It gets amped to 11. Rachel gets knocked out, and I have to heroically take over and finish the cleansing. It was actually a very, very pleasant experience and very, uh, very, very cleansing. Um, we, uh, Rachel had us write down our intentions for our house and write down our intentions for our family. And then we opened all the windows, we burned sage, we went from room to room uh, saying just kind of personal, silent little prayers. Um, in rehab, they would have us sit in a room sometimes and just quietly sit and we could meditate, we could pray, we could sit there and just stew in our own anxiety, which is what I was really good at doing. And a counselor had once said, well, why don't you try praying? And I said, well, you know, I'm not really a praying guy. And so if I started now when my ass is on the line, it, I would just feel like a jerk. And he said, okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, why don't you try praying for other people? And that I could do. I could, I could pray for my family. I could, I could pray for peace. I could pray that we moved on from this horrible year. And, and during the cleansing, um, I, that's what I did. I prayed that uh, my family would find some peace. I prayed that we would move on. I prayed for myself for the first time. I prayed that I would be able to forgive myself and move on. And uh, right about that time, a little bird flew in the window and started flapping around in the house. And, and of course, me steeped in movies like The Omen and The Exorcist and The Amityville Horror, I immediately was like, oh my God, it's a demonic harbinger of doom. <laughs> and Rachel said, no, no, that's, that's actually a really good sign. That's a really good sign. Um, things have actually been quieter in the house, much quieter in the years since. Um, every so often, something weird will happen. We'll see a shadow, a shape go by, uh, to kids' toys will come on by themselves. Um, hear noises in the walls occasionally, but but nothing major. And I've 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 started to treat them like I treat those demons of guilt and anxiety and shame that I suffered from um, so acutely in the days, uh, in those early days of recovery. And I found that if I can just get quiet, not freak out, and just observe them, they'll pass. And they always do. Thanks for listening. That was storyteller Stephen Abney recorded live at the Remington Suite Hotel and Spa on November 12, 2016. Sarah and I recently sat down with Stephen to discuss what it was like for him to go on stage in front of a few hundred folks and share this incredibly personal story. But before we hear that interview, we'd like to take a moment to give a shout out to our sponsor, Maccentric. 
MacCentric is Shreveport Bossier's only locally owned Apple premium service provider. As we record this episode, Apple is hosting their huge annual conference, WWDC. And at this conference, Apple's announcing all sorts of huge news that's going to affect your iPhone, your iPad, your Mac, and all of your Apple devices. But you don't have to worry about what gets announced at WWDC because do you know who's live streaming that conference and hanging on every word? Thomas and the team at MacCentric. When your Apple product needs the attention of an absolute expert who is totally obsessed with getting things right, find them online at maxcentric.net or visit them in person at the shops at Bellmead Shopping Center in Shreveport. Okay, so now let's hear our chat with Stephen. We started out by asking if he'd been nervous to tell his story live. One of the things that I can speak from personal experience because I've appeared on the television show Ghost Hunters. Uh, yeah, season nine, episode one, where they investigated Shreveport Municipal Auditorium. I'm actually on that episode saying that I, I heard a ghost make a reference to Elvis Presley. Really? So, yes, I have been looked at like a weirdo by many, many people because of that. Were you nervous? Fabulous. Can I ask you, were you more nervous to talk openly about the fact that you believe in the paranormal and you believe that you've had this interaction with, you know, the spirit? realm for lack mm-hmm. of a better term or were you more nervous about like openly discussing for example your recovery which mm-hmm. is a huge part of the story too those both of those things can can make people awkward in conversation <laughs> yeah you know ironically i was i was less worried about the alcoholism talk than i was about the the paranormal stuff because i'm, I'm a psychologist too so people look to me to to be relatively rational and for me to come out with this story, it, it did feel, and, it, and it, you know, I don't think it hit me until I was up there actually telling it. I was like, this, this could come off weird. This could, this could, this could seem kind of strange. Um, but I felt like I was, I was sort of safeguarding myself because I never really uh, proposed a theory as to what could be behind it. And I still don't know. And I still, you know, I'm, I'm open to uh, everything from it was my imagination to it was, uh, you know, theory that there's like imprints left in the house um poltergeist you know whatever i'm, I'm kind of open to any explanation but just presenting it for what it was I, I felt okay about it hoping no one no one would burn me at the stake and you're still alive so no one did and no one did thus far i wonder if you were worried that talking about it that bringing it back up might kind of knock that door back open mm-hmm. were you I actually thought about that. I um, I was uh, you know when I was preparing for the for the talk um, and thinking about what I was going to talk about, talking about it with Elizabeth in the house, um, it, it did occur to me that maybe just sort of giving it some mental attention might um, might have that effect. And and I, I promise this happened. This was not my imagination. I promise you. Um, just a couple of weeks after. Um, and in this, in the story, if y'all recall, I, I tell, I, I tell about hearing this, this really creepy hacking, like cough. And just a couple of weeks after we did the all y'all, um, I was up late and heard a hacking cough. I was up by myself and went into the kitchen because I thought our, our dog Felix was choking on a bone or something. And, um, and if, and of course, as soon as I went in there, it stopped, but it, it sort of, it was the same sort of thing. It, it, it escalated in intensity and loudness, volume and, I um, and and I thought I wonder if I just damn it I just opened that door again. But that's that's been it. That's that's been the only thing. But it was it was so creepy that I did wonder about that. 
Yeah. I think the reason why I love the story is it takes something that we don't talk about. You know, um, I, I personally am really, really uh, interested in um, and 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 how do I say this? Like, I'm concerned about the level to which pop culture uh, like uh, makes sexy uh, alcoholism and drug abuse mm-hmm. in contemporary society. Mm-hmm. And so we do, we do not talk about recovery very much. And it takes that thing and then adds something really fun <laughs> to talk about. It adds a ghost story to a recovery story. So it's like a spoonful of sugar with a spoonful of medicine. <laughs> and it's to me, it's just wonderful in that regard. So. Yeah, it kind of put a fun spin on it. It wasn't fun living through it at the time. But, <laughs> but in the telling of it, I, you know, like I said, I, I feel like it's so it, it is it is such a cool kind of combination of factors at work there. And um, yeah, you're right. It's it's I felt like since I was going to go ahead and tell this sort of embarrassing story anyway, I might as well just go all out and include that part. Um, as long as I could get it in under 10 minutes. So, yeah. All right. So I guess we have to get Charlotte and your your two boys. I always forget their names. I Henry and like August. Henry and August. Yeah. We got to get them on the Loki. podcast now. Like, <laughs> yeah, we got to get them all. Get the whole family. Co- collect all the Abneys. <laughs> get right. Get my mom, my dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for telling your story. It's one of my favorites uh, ever. Oh, thank you all so much for letting me do it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast. If you think you'd like to tell a story live at All Y'all someday, watch our website, www.allyallblog.com for upcoming event announcements. We're always looking for great storytellers. Speaking of upcoming events, we're thrilled to share the news that our next live storytelling night will be held on Saturday, August 26th at the Women's Department Club of Shreveport. The theme of the night is The Skin I'm In, So we're currently looking for six unforgettable true stories about bodies, identities, and the often difficult journey of self-discovery. If you think that you might have a story on this theme, please call our hotline at 318-582-0665 and leave us a message. Just give us an idea of what your story's about. You don't have to tell the whole story. Just give us a little taste of it and we will follow up and be in touch and we'll see if we can get you on board for The Skin I'm In on August 26th at the Woman's Department Club. Thanks again for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with your friends on social media. Like you could post a link to it on your Facebook page or you could tweet about it or you could even like take a screenshot and put it on your Instagram or you could just like go to your neighbor's house and knock on the door and be like, dude, do you listen to podcasts? You need to listen to this podcast. It's awesome. You know how you like don't ever know what to talk about with certain people like your like your in-laws or your your friend's friend talk to him about our podcast that would be great you know like great conversation starter. yes just have you heard this amazing storytelling podcast out of shreveport it's called all y'all thanks for listening thanks <laughs>